0: Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It's Steph. Look, I got a haircut. I decided to go with a radically different look for myself, and I've decided to go with shorter and shinier. And uh, I think it's—I uh, think it looks all right. Good to know. So I hope you're doing most excellently. It's time to continue on with our chat about defenses, and I promise to not try and co-join uh, some of the stuff that I've been listening to in terms of ah wreck, and to focus a little bit more on the actual defenses themselves and not to freak you out with personal stories of my own family. How's that? For uh, a kind a host to a Carbound show. I'm actually looking forward to the time, and I think that it will be. I, I just noticed and got a um, uh, a message from somebody who's on uh, YouTube and he is a freedom guy. He's from the Freedom Party of, uh, in, uh, up here in Canada. And he has um, he's also doing a show in his car on uh, freedom, which I think is excellent. And I, uh, I certainly applaud him for that. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to the day when, on the insurance claim, you know how they say, well, not insurance claim, <laughs> not insurance claims for car stuff. But, you know, when you go to get your insurance, your car insurance, they say, you know, do you, uh, do you work more than sort of 20 miles away from where you live? What's the length of your commute? And so on, all the stuff that nobody tells the truth about. And <laughs> I just can't wait for the day when the checkbox is going to be on your uh, application, uh, wherein it says, uh, do you actually run a libertarian show from your car? Right? <laughs> In the checkbox, I'm sure, will add at least a point or two to your insurance rates. But so far, uh, we haven't had to uh, uh, talk about that on our insurance claims, but soon, with any luck. Uh, Anyway, so it's all right, because uh, by the time that rolls around, the state will be small enough that uh, we won't have to worry about the cost of insurance anymore. So let's keep plowing along with our merry tour through the magic world of defenses. And we will continue on. These are sort of the less sort of catastrophic Uh, defenses that occur within personalities and you can look up uh, within yourself and you can also look at those around you and have some sort of understanding of what's going on with these kinds of things The level two uh, defenses and the people who are are level two defenses that this guy says and i think it's fairly accurate socially undesirable immature difficult and out of touch these are considered immature defenses almost always lead to serious problems in a person's ability to cope with the world These uh, defenses are seen in severe depression, personality disorders, and adolescence. (laughs) I love love how you throw adolescence into all of these other major things, you know. Uh, And uh, so here, of course, we have uh, fantasy, a tendency to retreat into fantasy in order to resolve inner and outer conflicts. This is uh, the sort of daydreamer, right? We all know these people, and I certainly was one of these people, uh, one of these uh, types when I was younger and these are the people who um uh, you know dungeons and dragons they're the uh, they're sort of the, the pencil neck scrawny pimply kid and then they end up in the uh, in the dungeons and dragons world uh, being the sort of noble heroic knight uh, this is if you've ever read uh, a short story called the secret life of walter mitty which i think was turned into a movie as well this is a guy who's, uh, he's henpecked by his wife on a shopping trip, and he imagines he's like a, a pilot and a surgeon and all these sort of exciting things. And this is somebody who has, um, uh, if you've seen, oh, I guess if you've seen the movie Office Space, there's the guy who uh, never says anything to anyone when they move him from office to office and finally plunk him down in the basement, but he eventually, I guess, sets fire. But this is somebody highly repressed who probably lives in a kind of fantasy world of vengeance, which he then unfortunately puts into practice. But uh, these are the people who uh, will see then in meetings and picture uh, themselves sort of uh, uh, you know, doing damage or doing harm or imagining that they're more heroic than they are. So in conflict situations, they can't express themselves, and so they retreat into, into fantasy. And uh, here is a projection. Projection is a very, very complex one, and I'm not going to spend an enormous amount of time, and I touched on it this morning. Uh, It says here, uh, projection, attributing one's own unacknowledged feelings to others, including severe prejudice, severe jealousy, hypervigilance, to external danger, and injustice collecting. Remember that projection is a primitive form of paranoia, so it is common in today's world. And that's certainly very true. Attributing one's own unacknowledged feelings to others. This is very true in parenting, right? So all of the corruption and uh, real uh, honest-to-goodness, morally reprehensible selfishness and so on that parents display uh, by using false arguments for morality to bully their children rather than admit that they don't know and working together to figure out some way of coming to common agreements about things. Uh, This is, of course, a kind of corruption and a kind of selfishness and a kind of just absolutely abysmal way of dealing with people and what happens is then the parents project that onto, uh, onto their children. And, uh, you know, the, the stereotypical, um, uh, the guy who is uh, the, uh, the drill sergeant, you Now you maggots, this kind of guy, right? <laughs> the, uh, the guy I <laughs> didn't get great kudos for imitating in my um, uh, podcast on uh, uh, the, uh, full, full disclosure, when I was a, the, uh, the military guy. Uh, people like the teacher, so I guess I'm better at being petulant and whiny than, than aggressive and and uh, controlling, which is probably not a bad thing. I'd rather choose the former than the latter if I had a trait to reproduce. But um, uh, this uh, kind of drill sergeant, right? I mean, the, the drill sergeant paradigm uh, where there's a complete contempt uh, for weakness and uh, a... Um, uh, you know, obviously, an ob- <laughs> at least I think, uh, highly repressed as uh, homosexuality. And, uh, you know, he uh, calls, uh, calls uh, come on, ladies, you know, in these hyper-masculine situations. Uh, you ladies ready to go? Uh, there's this constant diminishment of uh, uh, of masculinity and a constant uh, uh, denigration of others. And what uh, occurs uh, sort of in, in terms of projection is that uh, this contempt for the other, is really contempt for the self that can't be acknowledged, right? So this is somebody who who, uh, was when they were young, and we're all vulnerable when we're young. So everybody's relationship to vulnerability is directly their relationship to their childhood, right? So uh, this is how this sort of stuff reproduces. We're all, you know, we're born vulnerable. We're born helpless. We're born mewling and and needy and hungry, and, uh, you know, we can't survive 20 minutes without uh, uh, somebody's help. So in vulnerability... We, uh, uh, in, in adulthood, our relationship to vulnerability is our relationship uh, to our own uh, childhoods, right? So, when a uh, drill sergeant gets a hold of people, oh, I just looked at the uh, the uh, video screen here. I'm apparently going through Picasso's blue period in my <laughs> in my podcast. Look, uh, but uh, you, uh, when these people get in front of other people, these sort of drill sergeant types, they have. Uh, extraordinary deep feelings of vulnerability, which they can't acknowledge because that would make them less tough. And it would also expose them to all the pain of their own childhoods and so on. And so, of course, what they do is they um, project all of this vulnerability and weakness and so on on, uh, on other people. And that's uh, this sort of projection is a very, very powerful, powerful uh, situation. So all of the things which we can't acknowledge within ourselves, and this is very much Uh, The case, uh, when we think about this podcast that I had uh, last week on uh, getting in touch with your dark side, and one of my listeners on Sunday uh, asked if there a way I could do a podcast for him to help get in touch with his light side, and, (laughs) you know, perhaps, but um, the unacknowledged feelings that we have, so the fear and the terror that uh, Americans have with regards to their own capacity to support evil, they then project onto the Muslims and the Muslims who have their own horrors. Uh, and they're, they're, the Muslims have a desire to sort of be free and be liberal and not be under the lash of, uh, of authoritative uh, and despotic the, um, uh, the- theocracies. Uh, so they project all of this yearning desire for freedom onto Americans, which must be crushed. And the Americans... Uh, project all of their own capacity for uh, violence, uh, violence against those who are different, violence against those who are different, onto the Muslims, and this is how you know, lots and lots and lots of people uh, tend to get killed. So the unacknowledged feelings that we have, we will always project, they've got to find a home somewhere, because they're real, right? I mean, you can't fight reality within yourself or uh, beyond or outside yourself. I mean, you can certainly fight it all you want, but you will never, ever uh, be successful in your life, uh, based on um, uh, attacking and fighting reality, you will not gain uh, in a reality or out of reality. You will not gain peace of mind, or or self acceptance, or love, or or uh, virtue, or kindness, happiness, and so on. Uh, simply because we're just we're designed to process reality. We are reality processing machines with free will, and so you can't uh, you can fight reality. Uh, but uh, you will never be successful. And so, if you, you know, you have feelings. We all have the capacity for uh, to do harm. We all have the capacity to um, to do uh, to do great evil and to conform and to survive and do whatever it takes to to feed our families and ourselves and so on. And if we don't acknowledge these things, then we simply have to project. We have to imagine that we're perfect and other people are evil, right? And together, maybe we make a whole personality. But that's never really how it uh, how it occurs, right? Sorry about that. Next up, we have hypo, hy- hypochondriasis. Now, hypochondriasis is uh, its sometimes called the woman's uh, disease, and uh, this is, of course, uh, based on the uh, invisibility of women's abuse towards children. But uh, this is uh, the idea that when a man gets angry, he lashes out. Like he acts out his anger. And when a woman gets angry, she, uh, she internalizes her anger and uh, gets depressed and, you know, and so on. It's because people don't remember their own mothers, I guess. But, um, and again, I'm not saying every mother is like my mother. I have to put these caveats in from time to time because people uh, still get the impression that I'm dealing with my own childhood by uh, doing the podcasts, and that's not true. That's what the video casts are for. Oh, wait. Um, but, uh, you know, there is a lot of, you know, an enormous amount of corruption that goes on between uh, mother to child. Uh, we know about the one from father to child a lot more visibly, so... Uh, You don't have to have a mom like my mom to have gone through extraordinary degrees of corruption. If you had religious instruction or social conformity or were taught any kind of moral rules and your mother's not some genius philosopher, then, uh, yeah, you were just sort of bullied around and and argued uh, with and and crushed with uh, false arguments for morality, and that's very corrupt. And the degree of blame you place on your mother for that and your father for that is up to you. Uh, I would suggest that it would be quite high, but uh, uh, that could just be me. So, in this sort of traditional realm, uh, men act out, and they act out either through addiction, uh, or violence, or abuse, or, you know, smashing their fists into walls, and, and so on. But women, they fold into themselves like gentle little flowers, and they fade away, and they become depressed, and so on, right? As if women are not uh, evil snakes <laughs> in the same way that men are, or they have the capacity to be evil snakes in the way that men uh, do. Right? This is how little we respect women that we won't even grant them the uh, the uh, honor of uh, having a capacity for uh, great evil, just as men do. But um, uh, women, so they fold in on themselves and they become depressed, and and then they get these, um, you know, they 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 take to bed with uh, little headaches and the vapors. And this uh, idea that women have defense mechanisms called uh, feeling unwell, uh, getting cramps, having a headache, uh, having a stomach upset, uh, being so stressed that their hands flutter, and, you know, this, this, this hypochondriasis, I do associate with women uh, a hell of a lot more than men. And I actually got an email. Christina got an email from a friend of hers who's a woman who was saying, you know, differences. Of, well, what, make, what makes a man a man? It's like a man actually takes a day off work because he's really sick rather than just, you know. <laughs> Personal vacation, mental health day, combined with a uh, a mild headache. So this uh, this this other kind of defense is uh, you know you know your mom has a bad back and and she's a martyr, but everyone has to kind of uh, um, uh, find ways uh, around uh, her her particular way of doing things. And I had a girlfriend whose mother was like this. She wouldn't wouldn't drive, right? She wouldn't drive. And so uh, this was, she was just too afraid of the roads so or there was some problem with the roads or when she came to Canada it was the winter and she didn't drive in the winter because she didn't know how and then she lost the habit. And so basically, of course, everyone had to drive her around, right? So this fear of hers, this sort of hypochondriasis, uh, this uh, neurasthenia almost, uh, c- c- caused the family to, you know, and then it became an unspoken, like then it became cruel to point it out. I and mean, it's in a very effective defense to have something wrong with you. So I'm I'm no more caveats, right? <laughs> I mean, you can take uh, take these perspectives uh, in terms of uh, um, my uh, judgment of me, however you will. But it's very convenient, and it's very uh, you, you, to confront somebody with hypochondriasis is a very, very challenging thing, because it is an absolutely um, uh, heinous moral crime to. Um, to undermine and exploit people based on their desire to be nice, right? It's like, uh, you know, the others have in these movies or these TV shows where uh, somebody wants to get somebody else to stop in a car, and so they pretend that they have their car is broken down, and, they're sell- and so the other guy stops, and then they jump him or whatever, right? Let's turn on the advanced lighting system here. Ooh, pyrotechnics. And... So it's it's very it's really bad to exploit somebody based on their desire to do to do you good, right? And you always see these this sort of thing in movies. And so the natural sympathy that we have for people with genuine ailments to exploit that for your own selfish advantage uh, and for your own avoidance mechanisms for anything difficult or unpleasant uh, is really heinous, right? So to um, uh, to uh, uh, okay, one more family story since you keep insisting voices in my head. Um, My uh, mother, uh, a complete uh, uh, hypochondriac, and uh, always something wrong with her and never her fault and always something that was done unto her by the evil doctors. And uh, I I did what I could. I mean, I I went through this illusion, right, when I was a kid that I could change my mom and help my mom and so on. That's part of what got me interested in psychology. And so one day we're in a pizza hut. Uh, I must have been 20 or so and i said to my mom something like yeah i i get that you're sick and i really do sympathize with that being sick causes a lot of um uh, causes a lot of stress it's very stressful to be sick so i would suggest that you could read a book on stress management right i mean so i you know i was genuinely conceding that she was sick and genuinely saying that that it was all real though i didn't really believe it but you know i thought you know baby steps right so I genuinely do believe and understand that you are uh, sick, and uh, I would like to, um, you know, offer you the possibility or the chance, or say that it would be a good idea, since you do have to deal with chronic illnesses, that it might be a good idea to read a book on stress management so you can deal with the stress of being oh-so-genuinely sick all the time, although it's a lot more believable when I said it, and she completely freaked out, you know, threw cups around the restaurant, screamed and shrieked, and I had to sort of get her out, Right. Um, because when you confront someone with the fact that they are preying upon your virtue, right, which is fundamentally what the argument for morality is all about, as I've mentioned before, but when you uh, prey on somebody's virtue in order to control them, you really are turning, you know, a virtue into sin. You are turning health into sickness. You are exploiting not, someone not because of their greed, like a con man will exploit you because you're greedy or whatever, right? But, uh, wait, I know greed could be considered a vice, so in a, in a weird kind of way, it's almost like a punishment for a vice, right? But to be punished because you care for people who are well, sorry, uh, people who are unwell, uh, that's totally heinous, right? So confronting somebody on this is almost impossible. Uh, at least I can't even imagine that it ever would be possible. See, I'm taking the public roads because I know I need to uh, to chat, uh, to to check my reference materials from time to time, so... We have passive-aggressive behavior. Ah, passive-aggressive behavior. Uh, this generally is the case. I mean, I'm not going to uh, go into this in great detail because I've mentioned this in a couple of podcasts. But a passive-aggressive behavior is uh, you're putting people in no-win situations in a very sort of sweet and nice way. A passive-aggressive behavior is, for instance, like uh, we talked about uh, this, I think, this morning, where the people who are uh, defooing are actually going through this process where their parents are sending them these empty emails with, uh, we love you, or how are you? This is total passive-aggressive behavior. I know I wasn't going to talk about it based on this morning, but we'll just do a minute or two on it. It's very fertile ground for uh, the, the, uh, the sweet sewer stench of corruption. Um, if some, if you, you break with your mom, and then she sends you these emails with no subject, that says, we love you. And you've given her all these reasons, right? Like you did X, Y, and Z, and then she just sends you we love you emails, right? I mean, there's an enormous amount of compressed messages in all of that, all of which are passive-aggressive. So she's not doing anything aggressive, right? I mean, the the language is she's telling you she loves you. Surely that's a nice thing, that's a good thing, and you should be happy. But when you say, you know, Mom, I have trouble seeing uh, you because you never listen to me and because... There was all this violence when I was growing up or, or, you, or some sort of negative thing. Then when she sends you an email and just says, I, lo- I love you or we love you or we hope you're okay or if there's anything we can do. Well, you've already told her. You've already told her what the issues are. And she is completely ignoring. And this is not just a she because a gentleman, uh, uh, his father is doing the same thing. She's completely ignoring everything that you brought up, right? So you say, Mom, you don't listen to me, right? And then you have that blow up or you have that conversation. Hopefully, it's not a blow up. You have that conversation where you say, these are the issues that I have. And, Mom, you don't listen to me. And then you just get emails which have no content relative to what you've been talking about. So she doesn't sit there and write to you and say, you know, I've really been thinking about that. don't listen to you. Here's some examples that I remember that I think might be indications of that. Do they ring true to you? Like she's actually opening up in dialogue or responding to an initiation of a dialogue that you have brought into being, right? So that would be an example of not passive-aggressive behavior. But a total fuck-you behavior is to send you an email after you've said, I have these issues with our relationship. I have these problems with us uh, as mother-son uh, or mother-daughter. And then she just sends you a whole a series of emails, one a week, with no content saying, we love you. Well, that's a total fuck you. And that's a perfect example of passive-aggressive behavior. Right? If she wrote to you and said, you know, I'm really angry at what you brought up the other day, that would be, you know, kind of jerky, but at least honest. You could at least deal with the issues. But when someone gives you that sweetly smiling, butter-couldn't-melt-in-your-mouth kind of fuck you wrapped in an I love you, uh, you know, what can you do, right? It's total passive-aggressive behavior. She's angry. She can't handle. Hang on. She can't handle her own dark side, uh, her own. The fact that she's angry and the fact that she may have done these things, and probably I would say she did, but she at least has to get to the mate. It may have done these things that you have problems with her about, and so she can't deal with any of this sort of stuff. She can't. uh, She's angry at you for bringing all this stuff up, but now she's in a court position, right? because if you say you know mom you're kind of selfish you have got a bad temper and you don't listen to me right and then she gets angry then she's kind of confirming the thesis right mom you you know you don't listen you're selfish you don't and then she gets really angry you have a bad temper and somebody gets really angry then they've kind of lost the whole thing it's like oh what do you mean i yell you know this kind of thing It's like well you're just yelling so The logic there is pretty obvious, and women get that, right? Sometimes in a way that men really, really don't. (laughs) Often men really, really don't. And so women realize that they can't manifest the very behavior that you're criticizing them for, but they still feel angry. So they can't have a a, a non-angry response, because they are, in fact, angry. Like if you, only, if you can only speak English, you can't have an Esperanto response in what you're saying. So, uh, the woman is, uh, your mom's angry at you for pointing out that she's got a bad temper. And she can't handle even examining the possibility she might have a bad temper, so what does she do? Well, she basically says, you're an asshole, you're crazy, you're wrong, and I'm superior to you, I'm better than you. Right, and this is really, this is the fuck you of Christian forgiveness, to be perfectly frank. Right, this is the, uh, the pompous, self-aggrandizing, uh, mess that is Christian, I forgive you. I am superior to you, I forgive you. And this is what you're getting in these kinds of communications. This is what you get, particularly from moms, you know, that, well, I, I love you. I just, I just love you. I just want to know that you're okay. Right, because she's so superior. That to you, and you're so crazy and you're so wrong that she's demonstrating the exact opposite behavior but with no content, right? So all of her anger then transfers to you, and that's called passive aggression. The anger gets expressed. It's just you get to feel it, and then you feel like the bad-tempered one, and she looks like the sweet one, which throws you off even more. It's totally manipulative, totally evil, in a very fundamental way. On the other side of things, acting out behavior, right? This is direct, uh, direct expression of an unconscious wish or impulse to avoid being conscious of the emotion that accompanies it. Right? So, uh, this is complicated. I'm not sure exactly what this guy is talking about in detail, although I'll certainly tell you what I get from it, and maybe that will be of, of use or of help to you. But uh, somebody who, um, who is uh, uh, fearful, right, somebody who has a great fear, will often react to a situation that makes him afraid with great anger. Right? So it's acting out behavior. It's a, a hyperreaction to the initial stimuli, a hypercontrary reaction to the initial stimuli, which is designed to blot out of the person's consciousness the initial stimuli. Right. So when you, uh, hey, we can tie it all together, when you confront, confront the passive-aggressive hypochondriac person, uh, when you confront the hypochondriacal person, they feel great fear of being caught. Now, if they allow themselves to consciously experience the fear of being caught in their manipulation, then they have to at some level say, I'm afraid. Why am I afraid? And of course, the logical answer as to why somebody who's hypochondriacal is afraid is because they are in fact hypochondriacal, right? (laughs) And so that's why they're afraid, so the fear, which is the first response when some, when you confront somebody on their defenses, their first response is to be afraid. Because they're afraid of getting caught. And they can't really, logically, they can't process that fear. I mean, logically, by the logic of the defense, right? Because if they process that fear, they'll realize that what they're being accused of is true and so how do they avoid feeling that fear well they launch an attack and they they get incredibly offended that you would even imagine such a thing and how cold and heartless can you be right, this is part of the passive aggression as well these are often interrelated these defenses right so you know when I sit down and say to my mom uh, mom I think you're hypochondriacal it's like oh you, you know she launches into the attack You've sided with the doctors. Somebody got to you. You've sided with the insurance companies. You don't care about me, about everything they've done to me. I'm your mother. Bursts into tears, gets angry, screams, throw things, right? Why? Because she wants to not feel the fear of being caught. And, okay, here's the example that popped into my mind. When I worked up north as a strapping young man of 19, I was stuck in the um, woods for months. And yes, I did once or twice a day masturbate. And w- one morning, we were sort of in the tent with, with two other guys. And I was deep in my uh, um, winter. It was in winter, right? So I was in my tent. And I was masturbating. And I guess there's a rocking motion, right? So one of the guys got up. They was old, These were older men in their late 40s or whatever. And he's like, oh, man, it felt like an earthquake this morning, right? And I (laughs) I suddenly got what he meant, right? Because, I I don't know, our bunks had been touching or something like that, right? So I got really angry, of course, because I felt like, oh, shit, i have been caught. And that kind of stuff is a a defense mechanism, right? And I felt really bad and, you know, kept my hands off myself for at least another, I don't know, hour or so. (laughs) Something like that. Uh, with several violated trees and I think one rather startled moose at this point in my life. So uh, this, this is kind of... Uh, you, the, you can't process the feeling or you don't want to process the feeling because that was a shame and so on. And uh, uh, so uh, you, you come up with sort of elaborations. Uh, the opposite the opposite reaction formation, it's also called, when it becomes a permanent thing, for sure. So that's another very uh, interesting acting out kind of behavior. instead sort of get angry or... You know, a, a man doesn't want to feel the pain of being dumped uh, by his girlfriend, so he goes out. And uh, I think um, Dennis, God, the comedian, no cure for cancer guy, Dennis, not Quaid, not Miller. Uh, oh man, I know this too. Dennis Leary, uh, in in a the Thomas Crown affair, he sits down and talks with some guy. Uh, gets dumped. He says, oh, when I got dumped by my last girlfriend, you know, I went out, had sex with two women and got in three fights or something like that. Oh, that's a classic example of acting out, right? You don't want to have the emotions and therefore you go on a rampage or a binge or you get addicted to someone, you go have a fight uh, or you take flight into fantasy or whatever, right? It's the acting out behavior is when you create a specific action that's not, sorry, the the fantasy flight is, is internal. The acting out behavior is when you just go barreling out. And we've all seen this, like if a guy gets humiliated, by a bigger guy, he'll have to go and pick a fight with a smaller guy, right? That's acting out because he doesn't want to feel humiliation and so he has to go and make somebody else feel that humiliation so that he can restore his sense of equilibrium. It's the leveling process that I've mentioned before. But I think only once. Now, we can skip through the level three defense mechanisms relatively quickly. Uh, The one intellectualization. um, Well, let's just say I I do believe that there are some libertarians... (laughs) (laughs) are not unfamiliar with this. One moment. Lane change. My God, I'm actually making good progress on the public roads. That's because I got my hair cut before heading home. Uh, Interlaced Separation of emotion from ideas. uh, Thinking about wishes in a formal, uh, effective, bland manner. Not acting on them and so on. And we all know that. Uh, Repression. uh, Inexplicable naivety. Memory lapses or lack of awareness our physical status. And so we all know these kinds of Pollyannas who are just positive, 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 can't even imagine anything negative. And when you begin sort of pointing out negative things to them, they begin to get distinctly uncomfortable, uh, hostile, and sort of the latent aggression will often come out in these kinds of areas. Uh, You will see that kind of stuff occurring uh, sometimes when um, you confront salespeople on their sales estimates and so on. Well, the fault is the product, and the guy went on vacation, and who are you to tell me? It was a good estimate, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Reaction formations, uh, of course, these are um, are pretty common. One sec, I'm doing a left turn. Will I make the light? It's all too exciting for words. Yes, we will. All right. And reaction formation is, um, you know, the exact opposite occurs So somebody who's experienced and hated great humiliation, becomes the sort of sergeant uh, major guy who, uh, you know, yells at the recruits, Um, and uh, a woman who has a great horror of sex, which arises from being raped as a child or as a youth, uh, then becomes promiscuous as a reaction formation. Completely the opposite of what one really wants or feels, uh, taking care of someone when you really want to be taken care of and so on, right? So you're really, really nice and you take care of everyone and what you secretly want is to be taken care of yourself and all of that kind of stuff, right? Uh, Displacement, separation of emotion from its real object and redirection of intense emotion. Oh, did I take the wrong turn? Oh, my God, I think I did. Hang on. Oh, they're not letting me get over Can I? Can I? Let me just uh, be be the annoying driver guy and sort of stop and then go around. Time to do a U turn. Ooh, it's going to be very exciting for you uh, to see this gripping U turn. So, um, uh, where will we? Displacement. Um, Separation of emotion from its real object and redirection of the intense emotion towards someone or something that is less offensive or threatening in order to avoid dealing directly with what is frightening or threatening, which we talked about. Uh, Dissociation, temporary and drastic modification of one's personal identity or character to avoid emotional distress. Uh, This is depressingly common. Uh, Dissociation is depressingly common in its uh, manifestation, uh, in uh, people's relationships in particular. Uh, They just zone out. They just blank out. And I talked about this with regards to Marilyn Monroe and sexual abuse. Uh dissociation is, you know, didn't happen, didn't remember. It's a subset of denial, but it's a bit more genuine in that, you know, I guess they, <laughs> people genuinely don't remember uh, this kind of stuff. So um, that dissociation, that's a very difficult one to fight. Uh, that's a very difficult one to fight because people genuinely don't remember. And when you remind them, it's really a powder keg. Like when you sort of confront them or remind them of things that they claim to have forgotten, uh, then they begin to get a sense that their dissociation is in fact a kind of strategy which uh, makes them uh, quite uh, anxious. And that's a very important thing, I think, to, uh, to understand. When you confront people's defenses, um, they know that... Oh, don't you always hate those horns? Like, am I going to die? Um, when you confront people's defenses, they get extraordinarily aggressive because um, they know uh, there is the original emotion that they're trying to avoid. But what they get really aggressive about fundamentally is the fact that they have, in a cowardly manner, avoided these emotions. Avoided dealing with these emotions, sort of taken the easy way out, and being sort of cowardly and and bad and mean and vicious and so on. And all of that is uh, really, really significant. Uh, And and that's the really explosive stuff that you actually end up having to deal with when you confront people on their uh, corruptions. It's really, really horrendous. It's the accumulated cowardice that is the real danger with this kind of stuff. It's not the original emotions; those original emotions. Uh, it's like you you take one step uh, to um, uh, to to sort of push a feeling away, and then take another step. It's those accumulated cowardices that are the hardest things that are the hardest things to bear. I think when you actually start to deal with the stuff uh, in a uh, in a very real way. So, uh, I hope that this has been helpful. A quick tour through the magical world of defenses. Um, I was actually hoping to find somewhere in there is a book that I read many years ago that goes through all of these defenses with examples. Um, and I don't um, – uh, I guess I could, this guy's uh, got a website with hyperlinks to some examples, but they tend to be news stories, which is you know quite a bit of uh, sifting through to get to the real, real juice. So uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening. I massively appreciate it, and uh, I uh, look forward to your donations. Thank you so much to the new subscriber. Eighteen bucks a month for all the philosophy you can eat. Uh, Massively appreciate it, and uh, does does my uh, does my heart good uh, to realize that uh, I'm having an effect. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.